Just a couple of moments, I'll ask Andrew to come up to the pulpit and uh, address us this morning from God's Word. But I want you to know this has been the culmination of about an 18-month process, and we're thrilled to be at this place today. Andrew will speak during this hour, and in the Sunday school hour, Pastor Jim will moderate, and uh, you will have the opportunity to ask questions of our candidate. Don't worry, you'll still be able to get your lemonade and coffee before the ABF hour. But all of our ABFs will meet in here today for that Q&A time, which will be part of a business uh, meeting, and then at the end of that meeting, we will vote on our candidate. So we're thrilled about the opportunity today to present Andrew and his family here uh, to speak at First Baptist. Andrew was born in New York, just up near Syracuse, and um, grew up on the mission field. Had the opportunity to get his uh, training for ministry in Wisconsin. Served in the U.S. military in the Marines, and um, is here with his family this morning. His wife Melinda, Rihanna, his daughter Josiah, and Morgan. And so we're excited to have our brother with us today. He comes uh, experienced in ministry, having been ordained in 2018. And I know that the Lord has uh, laid something on his heart to share with us this morning. So, Andrew, would you come, brother? And we welcome you to First Baptist Church this opportunity and pray for uh, God's leading and God's blessing on the ministry of the Word today. Welcome, brother. It's an absolute, oh, there's the, there's the mic. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure to be able to spend this time with you all and really, really humbling. And as we just, we just saying, and I know the coffee and lemonade is important, uh, but as we just saying, you know, that all of our days would be an honor and uh, acceptable to our Lord and the object of our greatest love, I hope and pray each one of us, uh, is certainly the, an aspect of we're really driving uh, even this message this morning. But before we get into that, uh, I'd ask you to just bow your, your heads with me in prayer, if you would, as we begin this morning. Heavenly Father, we, we do want to be found pleasing to you. We're so thankful for your love and, and for your, your grace in our life and your patience with us. Uh, we sense that purpose that you have placed on our hearts. And, and then we just pray as we look to your word this morning, you continue to draw us into what you have for us. That your spirit would continue to apply your word to our hearts and lives in a way where we can look ahead to what you have with confidence, knowing that you're at work in it all. And we're so thankful to know you and, and to be loved by you. And it's a privilege even to be able to serve in small ways. And so, Lord, we pray you'd help us today to know you better and to be able to serve you in those ways you've called us. And so we thank you in advance and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, this morning, you can start actually turning to, um, to Luke 16, if you would. We'll be there uh, almost exclusively this morning, and I'd ask you to follow along as we, we read that passage. But as you're turning there, I'd ask you maybe to think about uh, something that you've regretted. I mean, if you, have you ever regretted a decision in your life? I, I think if you've lived long enough, there, there may be a time where you can remember the big time, maybe some small times, maybe this week. Uh, and you wish that you had made a different choice, you know, whether it was something you did or didn't do or uh, whether something that you accepted and regretted or that thing you turned down. But really, I think some of the day-to-day things comes down to practical things like, uh, you know, that purchase that you made, uh, that thing you brought home and you're so thankful and you, it didn't fit or it didn't work or you found there was other items there that 
you hadn't realized weren't what you were looking for. I think maybe as we think through those regrets, and, and this, is, this is important as we live our life to think through these choices that God has given to us. And, and I hope that as we look to these things that maybe we regret, we learn from them and hopefully don't cost us too much, but sometimes maybe they do. And I, I don't know if you've ever purchased, how many of you guys have purchased a, a vehicle you wish you had not purchased? Anybody purchased? Yeah, I mean, you end up finding out something about it. And you went maybe to the used car lot and it said it's an authorized dealer, used cars, Honest Abe's, right? You know it's a good buy if it's Honest Abe's. And um, I, no offense to anyone who sells used cars, by the way. But you know how it goes, right? And you're really impressed. You're like, wow, this is a great buy. And it, it just, you know, it's, it's nice, it's polished, it's waxed, the engine runs great. Take it for a test drive. You start having some questions, though. You look underneath and you say, what about this, what about this oil leak? He's like, oil leak? No, 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 that's just sweat from all the horsepower underneath there, right? And maybe you buy it. You know, sometimes in life, there's these things, even as we're making choices in our mind, that we realize, man, I don't know if it's right. And we almost can, can, you know, tell ourselves and and listen to other people, no, this is okay, This this is fine. I'm not saying that we live a life of regret. I hope that's not your life. But in those areas of our lives where maybe we realize it wasn't what we were hoping for, it wasn't what we were told, we learn wisdom on how to make choices. And this passage this morning is centered on that in very real practical ways. And, you know, it, it's, an, it's an interesting thing. I think it's humbling to me if you think about how much we, we work to make that bad purchase possible. I mean, think about it. There's different ways to finance it. You're going through maybe getting into debt to be able to buy it. And, and we agonize over how we can get more. And I just want to ask, it, across the board, maybe it's not a vehicle, and vehicles are hard to find right now, I hear, um, but just across the board in any area of our life, how much energy, how much mental focus do we spend trying to get more out of this life? You know, I'm, I love hunting. I can tell you how many times, especially when I was younger, I'd be sitting here, you know, in church even, and what would be on my mind is wind direction and, and what was going on in the woods and where this deer might be sometime. And I was distracted, all that energy. And I just want to ask, how, how much energy do I spend? And this is a personal thing. Jesus is asking us to, to, to think personally here, trying to get more out of less, trying to, to, to strategize ways to gain. You know, in those areas, and I realized this when I was growing closer to the Lord myself, I, I realized those were the true objects of my desire. Those were the, the true values that I had in life. And, and the humbling thing is, is that none of this is bad and wrong. You know, a vehicle isn't bad and wrong. Hunting a deer isn't bad or wrong. Those clothes the careers, you know, all these different things in life aren't somehow innately wrong. It's just when they're out of balance, they take a wrong position in our life. And we got to balance this out. You know, the whole world revolves around just this. This is all most people have. This is all there is to live for. And there's this echo in the heart. You know, when you see that oil dripping from the, the underside of the vehicle, you're like, I don't know, is this right? And you convince yourself, no, 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 this, this makes me happy. You know, I, we have to be willing to remember that all of this is just sand in our hands. You know, and we can do a lot with sand, can't we? I mean, you can play in sand. That's not bad. 
right? We like to play in sand. You can, you can shape it and mold it, but at the end of the day, if we don't remember what it is, we'll never be able to put it in its place. We won't be able to make those wise choices. So if you would, would you just um, read along with me in, in Luke? Luke chapter 16, uh, starting in verse 1. We'll just walk through this first, and then, and then we'll look at what uh, we can learn from this. Starting in verse 1, this is Jesus speaking here. And this is, remember, in the house of sinners. He was surrounded by sinners, and there were Pharisees there, the righteous ones, by the way. You can see this in the first part of chapter 15 that, that spoke against him. And they were lovers of money. They were lovers of praise. There's long line through chapter 15, and now 16. He's then speaking to his disciples in verse 1. And he says, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And you could, you could make a note of that. That's the same word used twice uh, that was used of the prodigal son. And you can maybe remind yourself of that story that was later in uh, Luke 15. He was wasting his possessions, wasteful living. And he called him, this is the manager, and he said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management. For you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking management away from me. And remember, the manager would have been living in the house, would have been living off of those goods, his whole livelihood, his whole life, literally put on the street when he loses this position. He says, What am I to do? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. Understand, this is a position of failure. And I just want to say very quickly, if you feel in any way as you think about these things, that in these areas of investment, in your family, in your ministry, in your walk with Christ, you say, I, I just, I, what do I do? I'm a failure. Understand, it's what matters here is moving forward. And that's the point of Jesus' story because this manager is a position of failure. I think if we're honest, we've all been there. We realize that engine starts to run really rough and it was a bad buy. Verse 4, he has a plan. He says, I've decided what to do so that when, notice this, I have decided because I know when this happens, when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. That care, that benefit, laying up for himself in the future. So summoning the master's debtors one by one, he said it at first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write down 50. That's a 50% discount. And, and of course, you know, these, these deals are always hasty. That used car salesman, right now, listen, I got you in here today. We've signed the paperwork. That's the situation here. But everyone's happy. They're getting something out of this situation. They know it's not right, but they're gaining. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And so he said to him, take your bill and, and write 80, so 20% discount. This is significant amounts, by the way. Well, the master commended the dishonest manager for shrewdness. So you might be a, scratching your head a little bit. The master commended dishonest steward for shrewdness. Well, not for his dishonesty, but for his shrewdness. If only he had been more shrewd for his master's gain, right? Well, Jesus explains, and of course he applies it to us as we continue to read. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I just want to tell you, when I read this, this convicts me. Because I, I look around and I even look at my own life and I realize how often this is true. 
we who know the eternal plan, we know what God has for us. And often we don't spend much energy investing in that. The sons of light here, you know, certainly believers. I mean, even in First Peter, we're told that there were that royal priesthood, that generation that's been called out from darkness into light that we would serve him. And so Jesus says in verse 9, I tell you, his disciples, make friends for yourself by means of this unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. You know, this, this is faithfulness over amount. And if you're interested, I mean, how many lotto winners out there still have lots of money? It, it's not how much we have, which means even if we have a little, it's okay as long as we're faithful with that, right? One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you, very personal, this is why all this in, this morning is me, I, I am this and I am that and God has called me to this. Jesus is making this personal this morning. If you then have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, that's sand, that's our sand in this world, right? Who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Notice owned by God, but so often we use all that God has given to us more to serve ourselves. And really, since Adam, man has been using all that God has created for what? For himself. And we find or try to find meaning, value, worth, purpose. Well, this morning as we look at this, I just want to highlight a, a couple things. Um, you know, nothing in this world will last, but the souls around us will. You know, everyone in this room is going someplace forever. Everyone in our lives is going someplace forever. And if we're going to take the moment to invest in something that's going to last, we can look around and see the objects of that lasting investment. And as we do that this morning, um, looking at this passage, I would just ask you to think through this, this central truth. It's, it's what I believe God is, is calling us to this morning, is we need to be making eternal investments. This is wisdom, this is prudence, this is shrewdness, if you're going to be looking ahead, what would God have us do? And Jesus here lays that out very clearly for us. He's telling us how he would have us manage God's provision. And we're very much like this manager in, in many different ways. The first thing I need to wrestle with, though, is really accepting the fact that I am God's manager. That's a, that's a weighty thing to be on our shoulders. I am God's manager. And I have a responsibility you know, sometimes we just don't take maybe a lot of time to think about that, but today matters. What God has given to me matters. My, my children matter. My parents, my neighbors, all that I have, it, everything that I do, my time every day. And, and as you look at this passage, you know, we care about God's word. It, it's easy to say things, but is this really what the text is saying, well, you have to remember this instruction was specifically to his disciples. In verse 1, he said directly to the disciples there was this rich man and he uses a story to teach them. In verse 9, as the master, he says to them, I tell you, you make friends 
for yourselves during this time. And then he highlights it at the very end in verse 13, noting that you can't serve God and money. In other words, you're either going to be the servant of one or the other. The things of this world or the things that God has called us to. And, and ultimately, you think about the gospel. And, and what's really convicting sometimes is, is how we know the truth, don't we? If you're a believer in Christ this morning, you've really fully placed your faith in him alone for your salvation. You know there's an eternal end. You know he paid that sin debt for you. You trust that. And in that moment, when you, you realized that was true and you, and you committed to walk with him, I mean, everything was on the table, Right? And in Matthew 16, he talks about this. If anyone were to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. We get that part of the gospel. And then in our humanity and in the deception of this world and how it seduces our hearts very quickly, we're like, well, that's good. And we compartmentalize that apart from everything else. And this can begin to distract more and more. Listen, we have to remind ourselves that everything that I have is his everything that i am is his everything that i have opportunity is a gift from him to invest in and through and first corinthians chapter four you now paul talks about this and maybe make a note of that and, and read it later but he, he beginning and chapter four is actually on the heels of reminding those believers in corinth to invest wisely in the church in chapter three and that's another very important uh, passage to read through i think about that a lot be careful how you build in the church. Be careful how you invest because there's coming a day where all that we do and all that we invest will be laid bare and, and the Lord will parse out our intentions, will parse out those investments for what they truly are. And so on the heels of that, chapter four, he says, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he says, you must consider us as servants of Christ, stewards of the mystery of God. This is the gospel, and it's required that stewards be found faithful. And, and, and he goes on to talk about how the truth was entrusted to them. And he goes on to talk about how the intentions of our heart will be made, made clear. And ultimately, as you read down through, you get to verse 7. And he says, why are you guys boasting? What makes you different from each other? What truly makes one better than the other? There, there's no one better because we've all received. What is it that we have that we have not received? The rhetorical answer is, well, nothing. But I worked for it, right? I, I, I'm the one who made this happen. Well, if you continue down into chapter six, and I'll leave this for, for your reading at some other time, it goes on to remind us, and this is about how we even use our body. So not just the gospel and not just those things entrusted to us, and we know it's true, all things in our life are truly given. We've blessed by that, even our birth we had no choice in. He goes on to remind us that we are not our own. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. We are bought with a price, and if, if you're a believer today, you know the cost of that price. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of the cost of taking lightly that sacrifice of Christ, treading underfoot the blood of the very Son of God. We need to think about these things as we ask ourselves, how can I honor God with my life? And not just sing about it, but ask God to help us as we wisely choose our points of investment. And so as we look at that reality, I'm God's manager. All that I have is his. All that he has called me to matters. That spiritual aspect 
physical everything, all that I am. We can remind ourselves of the need for prudence. And as we continue to to look ahead, I'd ask you to, to look at Luke 19 on your own. That's another parable where you can, you can see the importance of these things and how God has called us to invest wisely. And as we look ahead, realizing just how we have been entrusted with choices. And that is a responsibility that God has given to us with great benefit as we, as we look to live that in a real way. So as we look forward, let's continue on in Luke because that's the meat of, of the story and how it's been structured for us but as I think about this personally, I mean, we have to ask, okay, how do I, how can I be wise? And, and I, I said earlier that real convicting part of this for me as I read verses 8 and 9 is how if you look at the world and even the pattern of our own life, how we, we're so good at figuring out ways to be able to get ahead, to be able to get things more for ourselves, And there's a lot of different ways to manipulate situations to be able to gain. What if we were to use that same kind of energy towards investing in what God would have for us. It means that I have to constantly be looking to grow in prudence and, and, and choosing with understanding, with inter- eternity in mind. And, and like I said before, verse 8, you know, the, the reality is this dishonest manager in his shrewdness evidenced the kind of focus that Jesus was wishing that we as children of light would have towards those opportunities around us. And, and the sad thing is, even in the midst of this, and the sad thing in the midst of this is so often we choose lesser things. As we look to making eternal investments, you know, we, we realize this world is driven by that desire to gain. Even if it's a short term and sacrifice for the long term, there's still this desire to gain as much as can be had and, and I just um, remind you of, of a passage, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and just the, how this world works and how those that in this world continue to do all they can to gain. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 8 reminds us this, this world is, is seen by this desire and there's even in, in government, there's these officials that are put over others' officials. And he writes, if you see in the province the oppression of the poor, why is that? People are gaining. Violation of justice, why is that? Because they're looking to gain and righteousness, do not be amazed in the matter. Why is this? Because this whole world, even the government, which is meant to, to reduce this in the world, is defined by this desire. The high official is watching, watched by a higher, and yet there's a higher one even over them, and ultimately, they have this desire to gain and to gain and to gain, even at the cost of others. And, and when God tells us through Christ to be investing in making eternal friends, the opposite is true. Not a other's harm, but other's eternal good. Making eternal friends, in verse 9, then is the central command to choose with understanding that we would be making wise choices as that servant that God has entrusted to us these things, executing his will shrewdly but not dishonestly. I tell you to make friends for yourselves Think about that, the God of the universe entrusting you and me with all of these opportunities, with all of these abilities, the very breath in our lungs and the time each day to be able to make those investments and say, now listen, you have all of this, go make friends forever so that when it fails, they may receive 
you. You know, one of the aspects of this shrewdness, and, and it's more than just a challenge for us to, to look at, at how we're doing what we're doing, but one of the aspects of shrewdness is, is choosing with understanding. And, and understanding is grasping the implications of our knowledge. And, and maybe this is an element where faith uh, is on full display again. Do I really believe the gospel in more than salvation but in life? Do I really believe this eternal destiny that God has is told us about and, and told all of us that we need to come to him to, to live out and live in light of? Do I really believe that? Or is that compartmentalized in my life? The implications of knowledge lead, hopefully, to understanding decisions. So as we look to making eternal friends, and listen, I gotta be careful because there's so much here <laughs> really could continue on. This eternal friend command is Jesus' primary focus of this whole passage. And it comes in the light of more than just believers and unbelievers, and it's, it's believers and unbelievers, I should say. And in, in the context of this, you have that whole passage in chapter 15 coming down to chapter 16 where that's on full display because I might say, yes, I want to go out and make eternal friends. In other words, bring them to Jesus and, and now they're a believer and we're going to go into eternity forever. But this is bigger. This is in that whole circle of relationships within the body of Christ. And as you look back, at Luke chapter 15 and verse 16, the, the other parable, and we're going to just highlight those very quickly here. He reminds them of the sheep that was lost. Mind you, in the house with those that are sinners and, and then the supposed righteous ones who are speaking against Jesus for hanging out with sinners. You know, people like us. He reminded them in the story of that lost sheep. You know, the one that went astray when I was a teen God really used this passage in my life because I felt like that lost sheep. And I saw the love here in this story of the shepherd who went and sought that lost sheep. Have you felt like a lost sheep? Have you been thankful for that love of, of God that's pursued you? For those people that God put in your life that shared that with you? You know, that's kind of the setting here. And the picture is, after finding that sheep, right? After making that friend for eternity, the shepherd brings back that sheep. And in verse six, he calls together all his friends and his neighbors and rejoiced with them. So this making friends is just as much a part of this fellowship amongst believers as it is going and seeing God redeem folks to know him eternally. This is one of the greatest privileges we have in life as, as the body of Christ. And it's one of the things that we experience, one of the greatest blessings that I hope we can share with one another. And, and this is a great context. Think about this context. When you look at the first part of, of chapter 15, you see that parable of the lost sheep, right? And if you're to continue to read down, and, and mind you, it continues with the lost coin, that woman who's searching all over for that coin that she lost, and when she finds it, she rejoices, right? And interestingly, also, the lost son, the prodigal son. That's the immediate context to chapter 16 when he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, listen, make 
friends for eternity. Take all, you're a manager, take all that you have been entrusted and invest in these relationships and look at the value of that lost sheep that is now found, that value of that coin that has been decreed as currency because of authority. That soul means something. And then forgiven, it's never too late. Even this manager in a position of failure directed a wise course after his firing. Wherever we are following these are so important. I remember, you know, John 15 is another passage I'm sure that you're familiar with. That's where Jesus looks. Think about this. He looks to his disciples. And he says, I, I don't call you slaves anymore, servants. You see, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have freely told you all things. No, I call you friends. Isn't that amazing? He calls us friends. You know, as we think about the great love that God has called us to in Christ, that great value he has placed in our lives as he's worked in them, just reminded the, the privilege, the opportunity to invest in those forever friends and think about those that have invested in us and thank God for them and look to continue that work. One of the things that haunts me maybe thinking about the future is this question this morning, and I'd ask you to think about this yourself, is what friends will be welcoming me when, when I get there? Who is waiting for me there? You know, other than maybe family. Who are those that I've invested in? And we don't all know. We can share the gospel with many and never see the fruit of that. You know, those are in God's hands. Listen, the fruits of this is truly in God's hands. But those that we think about are praying for, those that we're looking to invest in, maybe those that we're close to now. Jesus says they will be the ones that will welcome you into that eternal, that eternal dwelling. I think in Hebrews chapter 10, you know, this verse 24 and 25 is often used to remind us to be here. Don't neglect the gathering together of yourselves as is a custom of some, right? Sometimes we miss there's a purpose there. Because we need to consider how to, consider, that word's really interesting. That's contemplate, that's strategize. That's when you're like, I want a new Corvette and I want to earn the money, find the deal, get the financing. You know, that's that, that, that strategizing. Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And then, of course, not neglecting meeting together. These forever relationships, I hope, continue to have wisdom and investment with that in mind what jesus is ultimately calling us to here is seeking greater things oh we so often settle don't we you know and not even wisely i mean how many times do we go back to the patterns of the world to maybe those things that we struggle with and they never satisfy they're never enough always disappointing and worse yet, as you know, the Lord convicting because you know it needs to change. We can be distracted by very many great things, but, but lesser. You see, God is calling us to make better investments 
focused investments. And this morning, I just want to say, if, if you're one who's saying, but listen, I am. I, I, I've tried all that I can with, you know, I try to invest my money and my, my possessions and my opportunities as best I can. Listen, this is encouragement because this is exactly what God calls us to do. Be encouraged. Do not grow weary in well-doing because in due time, we will reap. We can be encouraged that this is what God would have for us. But as we do look ahead to these wise investments, there's always that opportunity to sharpen those. And, and the first thing, and this is very interesting how Jesus puts it in, in, in context. Because the word that he uses here in verse 10, one who is faithful in very little, is actually probably you know, better translated trivial trivial things this is one of the reasons why i used sand as an example because sand is really i mean nothing other than making glass sand is just something to be swept out the door but he says listen one who's faithful in very little is also faithful in much so how can i be focused on better investments well first is being willing to understand that faithfulness is the focus you might say, well, he has more sand than I do. If only I had more sand, then it would be somehow better. I'd be able to make a bigger impact. Well, it's all really nothing. The question is, what do we do with it? We all have the same hours every day. And notice this as you continue to read in verse 10. One who is faithful in little is faithful in much. One who is dishonest with little is dishonest with much. And remember, we're a manager. God has blessed us with everything. What do we do with what we have? Our time, our energy, the gospel, our knowledge of the truth, everything. If then, having been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you true riches? There's, there's a very sobering thing in the midst of all this. Who are we? Now, I was the lost sheep. God's the one who provided a way of salvation for me. God's the one that has has enabled me to do anything, has given me even eyesight to see and legs to walk and breath to speak. And yet, as we seek to be faithful, he would entrust us, what's this say here, with, with true riches for what he's done, for what he's given to us to manage? This is a sobering thing. And, and, and one of the things I think about, I mean, in, in Matthew you see that passage I referenced earlier in, in verse six, or chapter 16. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? A lot of times we run around so distracted in the things of this world, we forget what true value is. You see, because in that passage, he reminds us that a man will give the whole world and it'll be a small thing in comparison to his soul. When we invest in lives and when we have these relationships that God has blessed us to be a part of, welcome us in heaven, you realize the true riches that that is, the small cost of maybe these trivial things. So how do I do this? First is just realizing it doesn't matter, but they do. Fame doesn't matter, but those around me do. And of course, being faithful as God's manager. And it might be a redundant thing because I've said it over and over and over and over again. But this is the story. And this is where Jesus, he now turns it to the disciples and says, listen, this is the command. Make eternal friends. Because if you're not faithful with a little, you won't be faithful with much. And who will give you something eternal if you haven't been faithful in these things? 
The cutting edge of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when, Jesus, or when Paul talks about that, that point when Jesus looks at what we've done in life is he says, you know, there will be some maybe that go through that and walk away with absolutely no reward because what they did even outwardly seemed maybe good but inwardly those intents were different. It was for them, not for God. Maybe not true investments but still investment for self. None of us can sort it out. God's the one who does. We entrust ourselves to him. And so as we look to being faithful, we continue to trust him and say, Lord, I want to be faithful. In, in, verse, in verse 12 here, it says, if you have not been faithful, which is another's, who will give you what is your own? This is a great responsibility, and I want to take responsibility for my role. And you see, each one of us here have different roles. I'm a dad. I'm a I'm a husband. God has called me to, to teach the word and, and to shepherd sheep, to be able to serve in the church in a unique way, and it's a privilege. But each one is privileged in unique ways that only each of us can serve in. I'm only one neighbor. You guys can't all be my neighbor's neighbor. Lord, would you help me be faithful with what you've given to me? And the heart of this all is really that love. Isn't it interesting how Jesus brings this back again to his disciples? Verse 13, who am I serving? You see, no servant can serve two masters. He either hate or despise one. Listen, this is a slave owned by one master. Imagine if, if you had uh, ownership and this master is giving you orders and then another guy shows up and says, uh, no, you need to do this and this. Like, no, that's... That's not who my master is, right? You either love one or hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Am I serving God in my life? I ask that all the time. What are we looking to in life? What are we strategizing to attain? What are we agonized over? You know, our, our, our true priorities in life can often be revealed in those areas of frustration when we don't get what we want those areas of anxiety when they're somehow dissettled or not in line they cause us emotional pain and agony all of us need to be asking our lord would you help us i do want to love you how many of us doesn't say in our heart when we're where we need to be lord i do love you and i want to serve you with all my heart the best way i know how that's that's where we need to be today as we ask god maybe some of these questions in our life and and then we look to do that tomorrow a couple questions this morning i've already asked a bunch of them i ask lots of questions i read the bible i ask lots of questions i try to find answers and Lord is gracious, but personally, this really matters this morning because I've got to ask that question, am I really God's servant? Am I really serving him? Is he truly my master? And this morning, if you are not sure that you have ever come to God personally, see, you can know a lot about God. You can come to church. You can do all sorts of things. But if you haven't made that choice for him, if you haven't come to him and asked for that forgiveness, which is free, and asked for that help to live for him and commit to walk with him, none of this matters. There's no eternal home waiting for you with blessing. Instead, it's that judgment for what we know 
is the consequence for our own choices and actions in life. That's the first thing they get straight. And for those, maybe this is the convicting part, is I do know God. And salvation is by grace. And sometimes we can hear a message like this, and I can even in my own heart feel the weight. Now I've got to perform. Now I've got to be really careful to do all that I can and make it happen. That's the kind of person I tend to be. And I have to be reminded it's still of grace. It's all of grace. Just as I was saved by grace and I come to him and say, God, just take me and make me and help me. As a true servant of Christ, I do the same thing. And I trust him for the work because, you know, we can invest in lives. We can invest in our children. And we can see the opposite maybe in their direction and ask God, did I mess up? Be honest, maybe I did need to make better investments, but, but it's still of him. Remember that we, if our servants truly of God, are still servants of God and he is the one who works these things out. But what am I seeking? That's a big one and I hope you've asked that maybe already a couple times this morning. I'm gonna de- am I desiring lesser things? Am I spending time running after lesser things? And be real honest with yourself. Listen, nothing changes if nothing changes. <laughs> when I say, what does that even mean? Listen, we somehow think tomorrow will be different if we just, you know, just, you know wake up the next morning. It'll just be different. Nothing changes unless we, had, we look at those areas in our life and say something needs to change. And so being honest with ourselves and our desires. And James, of course, chapter 4 because we, we just don't have because we don't ask. And then when we ask, we, we ask in the wrong direction because we desire different things than what God would have. Are there are areas in our prayer life that we realize are not what God would have. Chasing after those lesser things. Who am I investing in? That's a really important question to ask this morning. Who, who am I investing in? I mean, if we're going to be managers, and if, if you were to stand before the Lord today, I think about this all the time. And he were to say, Andrew, who are you investing in? What would be those people that you would tell him? What is the object of your investment? Really, honestly. Because I'm going to have to give that answer someday. And you know what also happens of a manager? Okay, so how are you investing in them? How are you investing in them? All that you have, not just, you know, not just things, but time. This is more than just having fun. Listen, we can waste a lot of really good time with people having fun and there's no spiritual anything to it. How do you take those investments of time and point them to Christ and share your love with Christ and invest in them what you know to be true? There's like this wall around us so often. We just don't seem to break out of and we feel guilty or scared that we might say something wrong. And trust him for that too. There's so many things here. And I hope in some way as you come to the Lord and ask him of maybe these same questions, and I would really encourage you, read down through chapter 15. Read what Jesus' heart, you're going to see his heart in these parables You're going to see just how pointed verses 8 and 9 of chapter 16 really are. 
and just ask the Lord, would you help me? Would you show me? Let's ask him that right now as we pray. Heavenly Father, you do know our hearts. You know everything about us. We, we pray for each one here this morning that, that they'd be confident that they know you. And, and Lord, I pray for, for those that are wrestling with things in their life. Each one is in a different place, young or old. We all have a role. We all have the opportunity today. What would you help us? Would you help us understand our hearts and our, our investments in our life? Would you open our eyes to those areas that, that we can submit to you? And Lord, we know that you provide even in advance those opportunities. We thank you for that, but would you help us be faithful in these areas? And Lord, we do look to you. We know it's all of you. We just ask you to help us as we seek to be faithful. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your love. We pray in your son's name. Amen.